Amen. We're beginning a new series today entitled Discovering God, Discovering God. And in this series, we're going to go through everyday encounters. I mean, just things that people go through on a day-to-day basis. And hopefully, we're going to see Jesus, encounters that Jesus had with people, and it's going to help us discover God. The subtitle of this series, if you want to write this down, it's Everyday Encounters with Jesus. Encounters that people had with actual people, real people like you and I, how they came up to Jesus, and I want us to really look at how he responded to them. Because you might say, well, why that? Well, if you want to know, we see God, because our concept of God affects everything that we do in this life. What you think about God is going to determine, Israel's people think, well, he's the touch you can't feel, you can't talk to. Others think that he's judgmental or maybe that that he's angry or unapproachable or just kind of cranky. But we're going to find out that that is not God. So if we want to know what God is like, Mark chapter 5, I'm going to read a story. Today we're going to talk about a sick, pull the microphone down just a little bit, please. We're going to talk about a sick and rejected woman who reached out and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. She touched the hem of his garment. So I entitled this message, The Hymn Woman. Let's read our Bible. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Let that sink in, 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent, look at this, she spent all the money that she had, and she wasn't any better. I want you to think about that. She came up from behind him in the crowd, and she touched his garment. For she said, if I could only touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Immediately, the fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of this affliction. Look at this, all these people around Jesus, thousands touching him. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? But his disciples said to him, Lord, don't you see there's multitudes thronging you? You say, who touched me? Come on, Lord, everybody's touching you. Verse 32, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, I want you to underline or circle this, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said unto her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of, I want you to remember this word, be healed of your affliction. Now this is a great encounter of an actual woman who had an encounter with Jesus. And she'd been battling this uh, sickness for 12 years. I want to look at what we can learn from her today. The first thing, if if you're taking notes, the first thing that we can learn from her is we have to battle. She had to battle past fear. Everybody say battle past fear. She had to battle past fear. The Bible says that she pressed through to the crowd from behind him, and then she touched him in the garment. The reason she came in from behind him is because she was so afraid. This disease that she had, man, it was embarrassing. It was humiliating. It was a shameful disease. This that we see today in our society, in our culture, we don't think of it that way. But in that time in history, if you had a flow of blood in that, in that place, then it was like a shameful disease, almost like leprosy. In fact, in the Greek, we know that the flow of blood re- literally means a menstrual flow of blood. So she felt very humiliated, ashamed, and embarrassed. And here's the sad thing. Here's the sad thing, and here's the unfortunate thing. 
that she was rejected by the church. And if you look around today, we're the church. The church isn't somewhere you go. The church is who we are. So what this means is if you look around this building today, she tried to get help from the church, but she was rejected by the church. The very people that ought to be helping her, they were rejecting her because of some stupid religious system that misinterpreted and misapplied scripture. So this woman was considered ceremonial unclean. She couldn't even go to church. And I want to tell you, I don't mean this bad, but I I like to say this. You're always going to have a few idiots in the church that make it all look bad for everybody. So if you're sitting here saying, man, that church is this, that, and that. Hey, we got a few idiots that blow up for everybody. I'll give that to you. But for the whole, this is a darn good church. There's a lot of good people here, and there's a lot of caring people, and so we don't have to blow it for everybody. We're not going to reject anybody. This is a place that you come, can come to, and you can be accepted, and you won't be rejected. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to be critical of you, and nobody's going to be looking down their nose at you at this church, I believe. So we don't have to deal with that here. But the Bible says that she was so afraid. She's afraid, and she's walking around in fear and shame. Have you ever realized that fear and shame seem to go together? How many has ever noticed that? And you know what? Think about this. The very first two negative emotions ever felt by a human being happened in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve came, it says, before that it was joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, all this stuff. But right after the fall and right after sin came in the world, you know the first two emotions that people had that were negative? Think about this. Being afraid and being ashamed. God came down in the cool of the day and said, Adam, where are you? I came to walk with you. I want to be with you. He was hiding. He was fearful of the Lord. And he was hiding because he was ashamed. So this woman, she was the same way. She was afraid. She was ashamed. But I want you to notice something about this woman when we're talking about fear. She was afraid before she saw Jesus. She was afraid while she was touching the hem of his garment, but she was also afraid after she touched the hem of his garment. I want you to realize that fear may be present when you're trying to get to the next place that you want to be. Anybody out there say amen. She was afraid before. She was afraid while she was going to touch him, and she was afraid afterwards. So we learn from the apostle to be afraid at the same time that you can have faith. I'm not going to say we're not going to be afraid of the future or afraid how something's going to work out or have some fear about a job promotion or a different direction we're going. But what I do want to say is this woman shows us that our fear does not have to stop our faith. Our fear does not have to stop our forward progression or where we're moving. We learn that it's possible to have it at the same time. She didn't let fear stop her faith. She pressed through the crowds. She pressed through her fears. Jesus said something that you, that's getting out of addiction. If you're trying to fight for something, if you're fighting for something that you really want, there's going to be fear there, but don't let it snuff out your faith. And faith can push through and press through and where we can touch the hem of his garment and we can contend with our faith and get what we need from fear. She battled fear. She battled fear. She didn't let it stop her. The way we battle fear is what we know, not what we feel. The way we battle feel, fear is we just go for ears back and say, I'm doing this. Anybody out there say amen. You got to pin your ears back and say, this is getting done. 
I'm a get her done person, and we're going to get this done. I'm not going to let fear paralyze. Because fear causes us to be paralyzed. We won't take action on anything. Fear causes you to say, man, I tried everything else. I just can't do this. I give up. Fear tells you, well, who do you think Jesus is that he can help me? I've tried to get help in places. And what makes you think that there's anything good really in me? Anything good can happen to me? That's fear telling you that. Fear tells you don't take action. Just be comfortable and set, stay put where you're at. But faith kicks in. This woman could have sat there and let fear overtake her. But in her fear, she was afraid before. She was afraid while, and she was afraid at the end. In her fear, she pressed through. She pressed, she pressed, but her faith kicked in, and it made her take action, and she pressed through her fears, and she reached out by faith, and she touched that hem. That hem means she just touched his, his garment. And the minute she touched him, what she touched him with was his, was with, what she touched him with was her faith. She touched him with her faith. I know you can do this. I know you can do this. And when you touch Jesus with faith, guys, listen, there's a power released in you and your situation. When you reach out and touch Jesus, you're tapping into a life force that can change you and every setting around you. You're putting, you might say that you're putting a draw on the anointing to where you can say to where Jesus was like, who touched me? Who, who just touched me? Well, Lord, there's hundreds and thousands. There's thousands of people touching you. No. Somebody touched me, and they released their faith in who I am because I felt some power leave my body. I felt some power leave me. I felt some addiction help relieve me. I, helped, I felt some power for somebody to be healed leave me. I felt some power for somebody that's reaching out, crying out to God and saying, I don't want to do this meth anymore. I don't want to do this drug anymore. When you reach out and touch Jesus with your faith, some power's released in him. And he says, I feel some power released in me that's changing some things. I'm telling you, he can change a marriage. He can change a teenager. He can change a work situation. He can change a broken heart. You can bring your broken heart to the Lord. You can bring your wounded heart to the Lord. You can bring your rejected heart to the Lord, and he will heal you. Reach out and touch the Lord as he's walking by. You know, Dr. Tony Evans says this, faith is believing something is so even when it isn't so. So it will be so because God said so. I want to say that again. Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans says, faith is believing it is so, even when it isn't so, so that it will be so because God said it's so. If you had a situation in your life and you're having some fear about it, be encouraged. You still have faith at the same time this woman did. Almost everything that God asked me to do as a man or as a person or as a husband, it takes faith because fear kicks in. I remember the first time I knew I was called to preach. I was at 19 years old. I got saved and baptized like this at 18. I was in a preacher's church at age 19. His name was Tim Snyder. He came up and he said, hey, I heard that you're a preacher. You want to preach? I never preached yet. Everything in me said, no. Absolutely not. I'm scared to death to get in front of people. I don't even know my Bible. I wouldn't even know what to say. 
Every, I was afraid before he asked me to preach. I used to go to church and be afraid. Uh, I'd go to Carmen's church because they, her, her pastor would just call you out, and, 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 and he'd, be like, he'd be like, hey, Chuck, stand up and say a word for the Lord today. And you're like, oh, my God, i got to say something for the Lord. And so you'd go to church, and you'd be like hiding. I'd be like, oh, Carmen, I hope, if he, I hope he don't call me out. So I'd go to church afraid. And then they'd start singing and lifting hands and clapping and all that stuff. And I would be afraid. I was like, what's going on in this place? I grew up a Methodist boy. And, and so I went to church while I was afraid. And while he was asking me to preach, I was afraid. And even after I began preaching and had been preaching for 33 years, I'm still afraid to get up. But I don't let fear stop me. I let faith kick in. So whatever, every time, if you've got any kind of a God, how many people want to have a God-sized appointment? Anybody want to have a God-sized appointment? Anybody out there that knows that God has something he wants to do beautiful in your life or, or in your family life or something? If, if you know that anytime there's a God-sized appointment or a God-sized something that you're to do, that God's got for you to do, there's going to be fear. With that God-sized appointment, there's devil-sized fear present. But when devil-sized fear is present, I battle through that fear, and I lock in, and I touch the hem of his garment and let his power release in me so I can do what I need to do. Somebody say amen. amen. We do what we do. We do what we know, not what we feel. So think about this story. This woman's waiting until there's a crowd. She's, she's like really... She's like really afraid, and there's a crowd, and she's embarrassed, and she's afraid, and she's the same. She's ceremonial unclean. The, the crowd's gathered around him. Everybody's pushing on him and shoving him. Then she comes up from behind him, hopefully unnoticed, blending in. And she comes up, reaches in, just barely touches the hem of the garment. Jesus stops everything and says, wait, somebody just touched me. Who was it? Who touched me? She's really afraid now. She cowers down. She's like, darn it, I wanted to be unnoticed. I wanted to slip in and slip out. I didn't want to be noticed. Think about this. When I first read that, I thought Jesus was a little bit insensitive. Ooh, did he just say that? Yep. I thought that was a little bit insensitive. I thought, man, that's a little bit insensitive of Jesus. He's God. He knew her situation. He knows she's trying to go unnoticed, and yet he calls attention to her in the front of everyone. It seems like it even makes her cow down even more. Now he's telling her to come forward and, and confess. But I want to remind you, Anytime you read something about God and it seems like you don't understand, it's because you don't understand. Because God is good. God is good. God is good. And he had, let me show you what he was doing. At first glance, it seems like it's embarrassing to this woman. Everybody say, right? How many say that's embarrassing to this woman, right? It seems like because she's already embarrassed and now it seems like everybody's watching her and she's needing to confess now. He wasn't making her confess he was asking her to testify. Big difference. Jesus says, wait, stop. Somebody just got healed. And he's like, give me the microphone. Give me the microphone. Come here. What's your name? Well, my name's a hymn woman. Well, what were you healed of? Well, I was healed of a flow of blood. And it's, I've been ashamed and all that. Uh, well, how, how about it? How long have you had it? Twelve years. And, uh, and you've been healed right now? Yes, I've been healed right now. And you want everybody to know this. Well, not really, but you kind of made it where everybody knows this. Okay? But listen, 
Jesus did this. Listen to this. God just spoke this in my heart so strong. Jesus did this because he not only wanted to heal her, he wanted to take away the shame of this woman because he's a label breaker. He's a label breaker. If you've been told that you're never going to amount to anything, if you they used to call me jailbird because I was always in detention or jail. They used to call me jailbird they, that you could say David was no, had murder and adultery. Was he known as murderer and adulterer or was David known as a man after God's own heart? Jesus didn't want her to walk around in the shadows anymore. He had compassion for her. He said, you're not that woman with that flow of blood that's a shame, that nobody wants to have anything to do with, and you're rejected, and you're afraid all the time. I want you to rise up and say, I am healed. And I want you to know all that shame is gone. All that rejection is gone. You're a new person. I'm doing a new thing. He not only wanted to heal her physically, he wanted to heal her emotionally. He said, come on over here, hon. You're not going to walk in shame ever again. And people aren't going to look down their nose about you ever again. How many of you have been labeled drunk, drug addict, angry? Who's put a label on you? Never going to amount to anything. Never going to goo good. I'm telling you, God is in the business of breaking labels. He said unto her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of all your affliction. Now I want you to think about this word affliction. When you see that word, I want you to think about this word affliction. It's only six times in the Bible. We have what we call where we say it's in the Greek. That means that the New Testament was written in the Greek. This word in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Hebrews Old Testament, the New Testament is written in Greek. This word affliction is only six times. It's only six times in the Bible. And, and the Greek, it actually means scourging. So when he said unto the woman, go in peace and be healed of your affliction, he was actually saying, go in peace and be healed of your scourging. Scourging. Now, why would he say be healed of your affliction? She already had been healed. She already had been healed. What was he really saying is, Madam, you're not going to be whipped anymore. You've been whipped and scourged enough. I want you to know something. I'm about to be scourged on a cross for you. I'm about to be whipped for you. I just want you to know no one's ever going to whip you again because they're going to whip me inside instead. I'm your healer. I'm your savior. And I've broken that label. Isn't he a good God? Isn't he a good God? So that's the first thing that we get out of that story. The second thing is we have to battle how we battle. We have to battle fear. The secondly is we have to build faith. One way you build your faith that you wouldn't think about it is you talk to yourself. Everybody say you talk to yourself. And you're not going crazy. We talk to ourselves. In Matthew, this same story is in Matthew 9, 21. It says this, for she said to herself... If only I can touch his garment, I shall be made whole. So when you're battling fear and you're, when you're battling distorted thoughts and you're battling thoughts in your mind and they're kind of taking you over, I want to challenge you to start talking to yourself with the Lord. Start talking to yourself. 
say, no, wait a minute. If she was talking to herself when she was looking at her sickness, she might have said something like this. No, wait a minute. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. You know what? He can talk to yourself. How do you get faith? You talk to yourself through the day. Hey, wait a minute. God can give me wisdom where I can be smart enough to do this job. Hey, wait a minute. God, hey, hey, wait. He walks on water. Uh, my friends said they saw him raise a dead person. Wait, I think he can heal me. If he can heal them, he can heal me. Man, I think I ought to get him to pray for me. Well, I, I, I don't even think he can heal. I'm hearing more about it. I know he can heal me. I just need to get through the crowd, and I know if I can get through the crowd, and if I can just touch his garment, then I can be healed. Guys, that's how you build faith. As you speak what God is, and you speak what your situation wants to be according to the Word of God. She didn't talk herself into a miracle. She talked herself into faith, and faith brought about that miracle. So that's one way is you can talk to yourself. Another way is you get to know the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says that faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Um, Alex, I don't know if Alex here. Alex uh, is a UFC trainer, and he trains UFC fighters that actually fight on TV. He goes to, ch to church here. Alex is a real cool guy. He showed me his phone this week, and he said, man, COVID's been tough. Alex is kind of walking fresh with the Lord and stuff. He showed me his phone. He said, hey, Brian, 204 days streak, I've read the word. He pulled out his Bible version. He said, look at this, 204 days streak, I've been reading my Bible. And then after my Bible reading, I pray for 10 minutes, 204 days. And I looked at him and said, Alex, there is no way you can't be changed when you do that. There is no way that faith isn't being built in you because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I challenge you guys, get on a 204-day streak. Read that word. Read that word when you're reading it and it doesn't make a lick of sense to you and you don't even know what you're reading. Keep reading it. Keep reading. It produces faith. And after you read it, you meditate on it and you think about it and you run it over in your mind and you talk to yourself about it. And that's how that happens. Get the word in your heart. And the word will build faith to where when you need to release your faith for a miracle, you're ready to go. And you can release that faith to where Jesus up in heaven say, somebody just touched me. I'm telling you, that's still happening. Somebody just touched me. Somebody just touched me in the earth because I felt power leave. So we battle fear. We build faith. And finally, we have to be persistent. Persistent. This woman was persistent. She was tenacious in the physical. Think about this. She went to, what I want you to do is I want you to think about what you've been working on for 12 years and getting nowhere. What you've been spending. You know how much, you know my, how much money I used to spend to try to stay happy? With doing stuff or buying stuff or being with the people and going out and all that. Just trying to be happy. Think about how expensive it is to be happy if you don't have Christ. It's very expensive. You know, I, I like what alcohol, how alcohol makes me feel, but my goodness, if I have to pay for it to have that feeling all the, way, all the time, man, I'm going to not have much money. Uh, um, and and you, you, you think about all that. And, 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 but she, you think about what we spend our money on, what we spend our time on, what we spend our energy on. She'd spent everything. 
trying to get help for that thing in her life, but nothing helped. You know, back in the day, rabbis, rabbis were the religious teachers of that day. I want you to hear this. This is kind of cool. Back in the day, rabbis actually tried to come up with cures for people that were sick. In other words, rabbis, it, uh, the, the, the rabbis or uh, the priests of that day, they not only preached the word, they'd try to get cures for physical problems. I, I looked up a rabbi back in that day, and I found a writing on a cure for a blood flow. Listen. Rabbi Yahunan writes, take some gum. You guys are going to have to bear witness with me. I can't pronounce these words. Take some gum from the Electrian of Ulam, of Crocus Hortinus, the weight of Azuzi. Let them be bruised and crushed together and given in wine. Put it in some wine and give it to the woman who has the issue of blood. And then it says, but if that fails... Try that. But if that fails, sounds like my doctor. But if that fails, not you, Dr. Dana. <laughs> but if that fails, take some Persian onions. Boil them babies up. I always like all of them say, and put them in some wine. And give it to her to drink. And say, arise from your flux. Oh, but if this should fail. Set her in a place, this is true, guys. Set her in a place where two roads come together. And let her have a cup of that good wine again in her hand. And let someone come up, this is true, come up from behind her and whoo, scare her. My God, you're going to scare. We used to think we could scare hiccups out of people. Scare her and say, boo, arise from your flux. That's what it says. But if this should do no good, take a handful of cumin, a handful of crocus, and a handful of fenu. Let these be boiled and given to her. I put capitalized by now. In wine. At this point, you had to be drunk to do all this stuff. I mean, you got to be a little gassed. And then say, arise from your flux, young woman. But, should this fail also, listen to this one. Dig seven trenches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dig seven trenches and burn in them some vines. Not yet four years old. Get this one, ladies. And while they're burning, let her take, <laughs> let her take again another cup of wine. <laughs> let her take a cup of wine, something to help her get through this. And then take her over to the trenches and set her down over each of the fire. And let her be removed one to the other. Set, set her over each one of her. And in between them, give her some more wine. And then say, woman, be healed of your flux. Whoo, baby. You thought our doctors were tough. <laughs> Guys, this woman, seriously, this woman probably did that. Oh, come on, Pastor. She probably did. This was a rabbi of that day. She very possibly could have done those things. The Bible says she spent everything. She spent everything and had nothing. 
You know, we look at that and we say, how crazy that is. Well, I'm pointing it right back at you guys and right back at me. Think of the crazy things we've done trying to get a change or trying to get something to be different. She tried everything. But the wonder, we're talking about being persistent. The wonderful thing about this woman and that she was persistent is that she was persistent in the physical. Guys, I'm okay. Listen to me. I'm okay with being persistent in the physical. Somebody say, thank God for penicillin. Anybody out there say amen? Thank God for penicillin. Thank God for polio vaccine. Thank God for COVID-19 vaccine. Thank God for that we understand infections now. You know, it is in my lineage somehow, but James Abraham Garfield, my last name's Garfield, he was a president for four months. He died after four months. You know why he died? Of an infectious disease. Because they were digging out a bullet out of him and their hands were dirty. So that you had to get your hands dirty and have all your utensils um, sterilized at that time. He didn't die of a bullet wound. He died of, inf hey, thank God we know that now. Thank God we have these things. So, so if you have doctors to do things, hey, Dana, she fixed my back. I tried, I prayed about it for years, and sometimes God uses physical doctors to do things. Man, Dana fixed my back. That was, she healed my back that was out for three years. But, okay, it's okay to be persistent in the physical. But here's my point. Are you all with me? Be persistent in seeking a spiritual cure that you are with a medical cure. To me, many people are, are, are seeking things in a physical way, in a natural way, when all their answers to life problems, it's a spiritual thing. Some of you need to have a spiritual answer today. Some of you that are unhappy, it's a spiritual answer. Some of you that are turned into different things to be happy, you need a spiritual difference. I can't explain it. You're just made where you've got this big hole that only God can fill. You can't fill it with friends. You can't fill it with substance. You can't fill it with wealth. You can't fill it with materials. You can't fill it with houses. You can't fill it with promotion. You can't fill it with an awesome body. You can't fill it with exercise. You can't fill it with looking well. You can't fill it with hair plugs. You can't fill it. There's only a spot that only God can fill. And I say, why do we fight it so hard? Why do we fight it so hard? Why do we reject it so hard? This woman tried it in the physical. I say, you tried it in your physical. You tried fixing your marriage with counselors and, and doing this and that in the physical. Try fixing it with two of your knees at the altar crying out to God to repair your marriage. I, I, I always say, I believe in counseling and psychology. I believe in that. I, I go to professional help like that. It's, it's, a, it's a part of my life. It, it helps. There's techniques and stuff. Counselors are great at pinpointing things. Listen at me. But only God can heal the broken heart. There's a spiritual cure that some of you are looking for in this house. And you're not, I'm telling you that you, you, you're not in this church today by coincidence. You are here by a divine appointment. The first time I went to church, I was sauced pretty good, pretty, pretty drunk. 
the first time I went to church. A girl talked me into going to church, and the reason I went to church is it was kind of odd. This girl wouldn't let me do whatever I wanted with her because she had morals. She's like, so I was kind of interested in this. I never had that happen before. And so I was like, cool. And it was just a challenge to me. I was going to get somewhere with this girl because nobody can do that. Competition, man. Well, anyway, I was sauced pretty good. And uh, I sat on the back row with a dip of Copenhagen in my lip. And the preacher preaching, and I had my arms folded. Wasn't letting any of it through. That preacher stood up, and he goes, you, on the back row. You, either, you, you get up here, and you get right with God, or you get out of here. Truth. He said, you have a call of God on your life, and you're running from that call, and God has something he wants you to do. You, get, you square your shoulders. He was a Florida boy. Uh, 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 he, he, he was a saw guy. He sawed logs in Florida. Big boy. Big farm boy. Country boy. I didn't want to tangle with him. He's like, you get up here and get right with the Lord, or you get out of here. I gave him one of these. And some sign language. And, and then I went outside and I paced for hours waiting for this guy to come out of the church because I'm going to whoop him. He's going to whip him. And I went out and got sauced, that physical thing again. But then about 4 o'clock in the morning, I was crying, saying, take me to the preacher. They dumped me off in a yard, took me in, gave me some coffee. He prayed for me, and I was saved. Here's what I want to say. Once I started going to church, anytime I heard a message, listen to me. Anytime that I heard a message that I was supposed to respond to or that God was talking to me, it seemed like they would always tell me to do something bold. And the minute that would happen, I was afraid. Remember I told you, I tried, after I got saved, I tried to hide in church. Seriously. But they'd preach on something. And God would be talking to me while they was preaching. And I would get scared and then the preacher would say, I feel someday somebody needs to be set free today. Or, or he would say something that I was setting where you guys are setting, and I knew he was talking to me. And then my heart would go, and I would get scareder and scareder and scareder. And just like that guy said, you either get up here and get right with the Lord or get out of here. The preachers would call and they'd say, come and get right with God today. And fear would be, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm afraid of that. But here's what I always did. I had fear before I went to church. I had fear when I was in the church. I had fear when they called me for prayer at church. And I had fear, listen, when I was walking forward at church, I still had fear. But I didn't let my fear stop my faith and knowing that Jesus is what I need. Why are you saying all this? Why are you telling me all this, Brian? Because God told me this morning, I got up at 4 o'clock this morning, being moved by the Holy Spirit, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Brian, I want you to drape linen on the cross, and I want you to tell the people this is the hem of Jesus' garment. 
This is the hem of Jesus' garment. I want you to have a point of contact. A point of contact. And, and the Bible says when Jesus raised from the dead that his resurrection clothes were laying there in the grave. So you can say that's the resurrection clothes. You can call that whatever you want. But I want you to look at this. I want you to look at this as something that Jesus wore like a point of contact. And if you need saved today, if you're afraid right now, I was too. If you need to give your heart to the Lord and say, I need to be a Christian and I need to start going to church. If you're in here and you need healing today, you were told by the doctors you don't have much time to live. Hey guys, last, there is a guy in our church, his, her husband, her husband was healed to where they called this week and said, a bone has grown. The doctor said there is a bone that has grown on this x-ray that wasn't there. There's nothing wrong with you. Anybody that knows Izzy knows that his back was pinned and all this and you're healed. There's nothing wrong with you. Izzy, oh, if I can just touch this hem of his garment. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. If you suffer with addiction, if you can just not be afraid, come forward and say, God, I want salvation. I want to be set free. I want to be healed. I want my life to be different. I know you're afraid, but right now, right now, if you need salvation or you need healing, I want you to come and touch this. Church, if people are moving, I want you to give them a hand. I want you to stand up to your feet. If you need salvation, I want you to stand up and walk down here and say, I need salvation. Come on. If you need healing today, I want you to stand up right where you're at. And I want you to walk down here. And we're going to pray. I'm going to pray with you. I want you to come. I want you to come and have a point of contact today. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, as Braden plays a song and the worship team sings, I'm believing that people are going to start getting out of their seat and coming over here, and I'm going to start praying with people today for a change that God wants to bring in their life. Braden.